Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the November edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. Starting with Swatch County News, written by Lisa Syriacs, Swatch County Audit Identifies Problems. In September, the presentation of the 2021 Swatch County Audit highlighted ongoing problems with the county's accounting records from 2021 and beyond. Jessica Bogner of Wall, Smith, and Bateman, WSB, summarized the audit, ending her presentation with the announcement that if the firm does not see an improvement in the county's accounting systems, it will most likely withdraw from performing the 2022 audit. While WSB signed a five-year engagement, the significant difficulties in performing the 2021 audit did not match the expectations going into the contract. These difficulties resulted in the auditor spending more than twice the time projected to complete the work. It is already September, nine months into 2022, and based on 2021 accounting procedures, there are a lot of corrections that will need to be made. For 2021, we fixed the financial statements so that they are correctly stated, Bogner said. This means that Wall, Smith, and Bateman could issue an unmodified opinion on this audit because we fixed it. But to be clear, these findings are not good. Lack of internal controls over financial reporting dating back to 2009 resulted in findings of material weakness. Without a doubt, this is the most serious and persistent problem the county needs to address. Internal controls protect the county by structuring and documenting non-routine transactions in addition to preventing financial misstatements and ensuring compliance with laws and regulations. These controls, however, are not always foolproof. Over $3.3 million in adjusting journal entries, AGE, had to be made by the auditors to correctly state the county's financial position. These AGEs were for corrections that often did not have supporting documentation. While there are several possible explanations for this, one fear is fraud resulting from management overriding internal procedures. Bogner clarified that adjusting Entries do not fix the underlying problems that led to the required corrections. Among others, some of the issues noted by the audit were treasurer's fees being incorrectly charged on federal funds, which were not in accordance with Colorado revised statutes, grant reimbursements that did not reconcile to county, ac county accounting records, final costs of projects being estimated, landfill closure and post-closure cost studies, had not been completed and therefore were estimated in the audit and estimated asset values for equipment purchases that were not recorded at the time of purchase. In his 2019 letter of resignation, former County Administrator Glenn Simpson warned the county about potential areas of concern in accounting, timekeeping, and payment that could hurt the county, noting, weaknesses in payroll, accounts payable, and the general ledger are vulnerable to both fraud and embezzlement. The 2019 audit was filed late, resulting in sanctions by the state, including freezing funds owed the county. In a separate but related finding, the audit report also identified a lack of internal controls specifically in the Department of Social Services. The report states that social services fund expenditures for the year 2021 exceeded its allotment by over $5 million, 
identified as material noncompliance in the audit and is a violation of local government budget law. The audit found that county staff did not complete monthly reconciliation of ledger accounts throughout 2021, a finding that required additional investigation and reconciliation procedures. This warranted prior period and current year audit adjustments in order to properly state the financial statements for 2021. Bogner pointed out that posting what is provided through the State of Colorado's financial management system, the statewide reporting system, the Department of Social Services, will result in an income statement, but cash, bank accounts, and other balance sheet accounts are not reconciled. The statements are not considered accurate. Additional discussion with Social Services Director Christina Wilson and County Finance Officer Virginia West revealed another major issue. The balances in the 2020 audit were 100% incorrect. Bogner also pointed out that the responsibility for the accounting and reporting and reporting accurate financial information lies with the Board of County Commissioners, not the auditors. Bogner engaged the commissioners and the staff present with discussion around some constructive solutions, resulting in the management committing to include additional reviews using a second set of eyes. The corrective action plan included at the end of the audit also commits to a review, a review process. Bogner strongly encouraged monthly review at all levels in order to find and correct errors in a timely fashion. Overall, it was identified that most of the county accounting problems stemmed from a continuation of what was done in the past. Management staff indicated that at the current salary levels, it is difficult to hire people with adequate education and training, which has led to stagnation and cutting corners. Multiple training events have already been identified and plans were made for staff to attend. Now turning to POA news written by John Rowe. Meet the Baca Grand Association leadership team. The Baca Grand Property Owners Association, BGPOA, has gone through many changes in the last two years. Only one board member remains from 2020, Saganda Brooks. New directors include Community Manager Jay Walther, Ambulance Chief Joanna Doxon, Land Use Coordinator Debbie Oberhausen, and Land Use Manager Chris Weibrow. And Shelley Saunders is the new Community Membership Services Manager. The CMS post is brand new, created in response to a quickly growing VACA population which has doubled in the last four to five years, requiring more resources, especially since the current Board of Directors and Community Manager are committed to making, to, um, making the association friendlier and more accessible. Members are considered friends and neighbors, not adversaries. Meet Shelley Saunders, new CMS manager. Shelley. You have what sounds like a big job. Just what is the function of this new position, CMS manager? She answers, I am the Baca Association liaison. My primary job is to create opportunities in membership involvement. I want people to have easy access when they call or email us for information. I have a goal of answering as many calls as possible and when calls do go into voicemail to get back to folks as soon as possible. I also strive to answer as many emails promptly as I can. I am committed to send out more and more information via email blasts as time goes by. And of course, I want to work at expanding the email list as time permits. Roe asks, 
The association has always had a tough chore in having good contact information for all property owners. They often don't have any current data on addresses, phone numbers, or emails. Owners literally live all over the world and some are simply unreachable, at least for now. What else is on the drawing board for future member involvement? Saunders answers. We will have a survey going out soon to get feedback on how we are doing, on what changes or additions members suggest. We strive for better transparency in financial matters such as more details on budgets and association income. When dues go up, we want the membership to know exactly why. We are working on a Facebook page and hope to have it up and running shortly. The leadership team has received good feedback on the information exchange town hall type meeting that we had in October on the budget and assessment increase. We plan for more of these meetings on various topics. Again, the entire leadership team really wants association members to be a part of what we are doing and to feel like they are a part of the policy making too. Rowe asks, was the open house the association held in October also part of this larger vision of having an open and friendly relationship with the community? How did it go over? Saunders answers. It went over great. We had about 80 people attending, including several children, with many volunteers helping to organize the event, bring food, and get the word out. Jay Walther cooked hot dogs. Kids got to play on the fire truck, closely supervised, of course, and see the ambulance. Fire Chief Jim even let the kids blow the siren. Several members of the management team also came and had a good time rubbing elbows with the community. All that and it cost the association nothing. All the labor and food were donated. We plan to have these on some kind of regular basis as all involved really enjoyed themselves. Roe asks, wow, it sounds as if you really like your new job. Yeah? Saunders answered, I am very excited about the prospect of being part of the building part of building happy and effective community relations. We at the association have a great team who are very supportive of all these outreach efforts and I love the people of Crestone and the Baca. I look forward to meeting and getting to know many more of our friends and neighbors. I want folks to feel free to call or email me. Telephone number is 719-256-4171. Email address is member-services at bacapoa.org. And now we have a Thanksgiving prayer by Heather D'Alessio and Nathan Good. We are fortunate to enjoy the unique and diversely free lifestyle the Crestone San Luis Valley communities offer. May spirit grace our children to grow up healthy and happy, learning and practicing to cherish and carry through life with open and joyful hearts. Let's share the responsibility and enjoyment of living together in symbiosis, surrounded by all of our relations and the fruits of our labors. May we become elders who have the good fortune to be again as a child, returning to awe and wonderment. As students of history, we stand on the shoulders of giants. I perceive that there is a path before us. This path springs from diligence to inner truths. It is powered by the dynamo of devotion and its edge is wetted by vigilance. For I know there is a door wide open right now for us to prevent any more atrocities. Here is an opportunity to shine. May we evolve soon into a more raw and pure form of human, informed and ultimately maturated by ancestral memory and one another. 
Together may we master ourselves immediately, for if we learn the art of appreciation for the jaw-dropping beauty and power all around us, we find it within ourselves. We are grateful to be done being subordinate to the doctrine of war. For unknown generations, in this valley and the world over, human beings have not been recognized as sacred. A story continues to emerge that our community has undergone natural cyclic deconstruction, and that perhaps some opportunistic parties have made the most of it, repeatedly, thorough pervasive exploitation, colonization, genocide, and in some cases complete biocide. We have been made subhuman. Some of us have allowed ourselves to be corralled and made to be casts of people, instead of natural, critical-thinking men and women, sons and daughters. We can reclaim our freedoms, medical, sexual, religious, and all. It seems a contrived legal system and self-serving corporatocracy is duping us out of our livelihoods, rights, and freedoms. Some of our local leaders are being coerced with money from technocratic lawmakers and lobbyists from the top down to disrupt our local heritage. In our opinion, there is an agenda fueling gentrification in this community. Cronyism abounds, and we can barely see beyond the medical and military-industrial complexes taking over our country. Yet, we are not subjects on the earth ruled by self-proclaimed superior bloodlines. We are each the earth's beloved. We perceive that there is a mysteriously entitled entity which now seeks to remove us from our symbiotic relationships. We need each other more than ever now. Again, may we find the tools required to transcend this. A positive and optimistic attitude is a must, visualizing the best possible outcome. As Theodore Roosevelt said in 1910, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm the great devotions who spends himself in a worth cause, who at the best know in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Let's not be silenced by cancel culture. Energy flows where attention goes. Having arrived at the precipice of a reset, therefore, let's allow an attitude of gratitude to balance our journey. And now turning to the one-hand clapping column by Tom Alfred Demers, The Landscape of Our Dreams. The autumn colors this year have been amazing, more brilliant than I ever remember. Perhaps this was due to the abundant monsoon rains or just an extra tumble of God's dice, but the aspens I saw were as orange as maples. Freed of her editorial duties, former Creston Eagle owner Kizanlaki hit the road. She wrote on Facebook, The colors everywhere were fabulous. This is our Colorado front yard. Indeed. The Colorado palette of Colorado. The October palette of Colorado seems to bring our dreams within reach. Anything is possible. Peace in Ukraine, the Trumpster doing hard time, the Broncos in the Super Bowl, 
our road in the fall is the yellow brick road. Driving the western edge of Sawatch County, I came to appreciate the understated beauty of the country around Parlin and Juanita Hot Springs. Along Route 50, I saw a small black bear amble across the road, reminding me of Pooh with his paw in a honey jar. We all stopped to admire. The landscape along Blue Mesa Reservoir was shimmering and alive. Is Colorado the landscape of our dreams? I don't know where they might go better. Such was my euphoria when my thoughts turned to death. Not at first. At first I remembered a leg cramp from the night before, horrendous pain that had me writhing. Was this rigor mortis a small dose of what I would endure at death? I actually wondered that as I tried not to wake my sleeping partner. She asked me sleepily if I was all right. That is the wrong question to ask a dying person. So I moaned something incoherent and stumbled around in the dark trying to calm the evil spirit in my rock-hard calf. The next day, I looked up rigor mortis. It results from changes in muscle chemistry after death, so no pain from that. What I experienced was a nocturnal leg cramp, an excruciating condition experienced by more than 50% of older people. This was not my first rodeo with this nighttime terrorist, but research told me a few things. The chief ingredient of a solution is something I'm already taking, magnesium. But the type of magnesium is important. Magnesium glycinate is the best, most absorbable type, because glycine itself has a calming effect. The cheaper mag citrate causes intestinal distress in many people. An online company called Salt Wrap has an interesting product, Mag R&R. Their sedating formula combines rhodiola rosea, Ashwa, ashwagandha, GABA, and 5-HTP along with the mag glycinate in a bottle of 90 caps. Take two a day to start. The online site is informative, providing their formulation with all the milligrams and testimonials you might want. The ingredients are available at any natural food store, so you could blend your own compound. One hand clapping has never recommended a product before, but a good night's sleep is worth a million bucks, and the lack of it has many deleterious effects. The near-death experience I described above ruins good sleep, especially if you can't get back to sleep. I haven't used this product, but intend to give it a try. The landscape of my dreams might be better for it. And turning to this article by Nick Navaras, Living in Gratitude and a New Scholarship. Gratitude has become a major part of my life in recent years, in large part because of this incredible place we call Crestone, and the many high vibrational individuals who inhabit our realm. I came to Crestone years ago, having spent a couple of years on the road living out of my RV and intentionally de deconstructing my ego for future deeper work. Releasing the burden of self is relatively easy once you trust the universe to guide you on the right path, and once I did, the path was set to bring me here. I spent my first winter months camping in the forest with my dog, Rue, and getting winter clothes from the free box. Fast forward to today. I have my own successful real estate firm, Mountainside Realty, and am an active member of many area groups whose goal is to better the lives of those in our community. Every day in my meditations, I remember what it was like to struggle, to be in a place of need, and not only does that help me exist in the state of gratitude, but also be more compassionate to, sh to those in need, whatever that form might take. I have a saying I live by which has helped me through any situation. If you can help, 
You must. We all have gifts to share, even if it is inconvenient or difficult for us. We can make each other's lives better by lending a shoulder to cry on, a hand to hold, or an ear to listen. It is important that we take the time to do so. In this vein of, I am thrilled to announce a new scholarship I will be offering to an individual senior from either the Crestone Charter School or Moffat School who will complete hours of community service, as well as actively devote a portion of their lives to making their community a better place. None of us can help everyone, but if I can promote an environment in which young adults are encouraged and rewarded for making a small difference, my hope is that the joy of giving back will be infectious, and they will continue to carry that lesson on for the rest of their lives. Details of this scholarship will be forthcoming, but it will involve 200 or more hours of community service by each candidate before applying for an initial $2,500, and the winner is eligible to receive an additional $2,500 each successive year for four years, provided they continue to engage in community service and are attending either a college or trade school. It takes a village is certainly true, and it also takes an individual to be the impetus for change. And now turning to the Out and About column with Lori Sunflower. This month's question, who is a Crestonian you're grateful for and why? Liza Marone says, I want to appreciate and lift up Nick Chambers. He's a hero to me. He created this amazing food aggregation and distribution system where we can rely on a food system that comes from our neighbors, family farms, and branches. And that's how we nourish our children in the schools, in our grocery stores, in our restaurants. I'm so thankful for him. Brett Sharrick says, I am so grateful for Andrea Musgrave, my beautiful wife who I love so much because she keeps me in line and direction and takes very good care of me. Anybody who knows me knows my story, and yes, that's all I need to say. James O'Day says, I am so very grateful to Signia Romstrom for organizing an International Peace Day commemoration every year here in Crestone, for her amazing classical Indian dance performances, not to mention her generous gifting of home-grown greens and gourmet desserts. Paul Menayoni says, I'm grateful for this town because it's the only town that's ever accepted me, and I've made more friends and had more family faster than any place I've ever lived in my life. Noah Bain says, It's just impossible for me to name just one or even a few persons. So many people in our community are doing so much in so many ways and so many levels. Let me just express deep gratitude for all the people at all the spiritual centers whose prayers are radiating through Crestone and out to the world. And John D. Namba says, I am grateful for Alice in Wonderland and all the loving, caring, encouragement, laughter, deep understanding, and great hugs she gives me, and especially for all the caregiving work and volunteering, both known and unknown, that she does for the community. And Bert Wadman says, There is a Crestonian for whom so much loving gratitude instantly wells up in response to this question. My person is goodness itself, his wit is a delight, his strength the quiet kind, his soul-inspired works divine, his conduct impeccable. The problem is, I don't dare name him. It would be wrong and an offense to his modesty. Let's just say that such Crestonians do exist, 
and be grateful for that. And now for a very quick look at the calendar. On Wednesday, November 23rd, we have a noon moon. Thursday is Thanksgiving. And on Friday and Saturday, November 25th and 26th, the Creed Chocolate Festival will be held at Creed. For more information, visit the website www.creed.com. Creed is spelled C-R-E-E-D-E, so www.creed.com slash chocolate-festival. And we have a note from the library, both the Baca Grand Library and the Swatch Public Library. They will be closed Thursday and Friday, November 24th, and Friday, November 25th, for Thanksgiving. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.